Kia and welcome to another Aotearoa Rugby Pod. It's a pretty special edition of the Aotearoa Rugby Pod. Ross Carl here with Bryn Hall in studio, studio for the rest of the year and also James Parsons. And as you can probably see, we've got a flash new set and my hand is missing off the edge there because this is a virtual set. We're actually sitting in front of a green screen in one of our flash new studios. So, nice place to be. Um, people will not understand exactly what it looks like. <laughs> but, guys, All Blacks Fiji. It's been a big weekend, another big win, 60-13. to 13. We've had an all-black squad named since then with just a couple of small changes. Maybe we start there with the all-black squad. Uh, the first one, uh, we saw the return of Moody and Tonga Fasi. That's straightforward? That's. I, I think it's, it, it's pretty predictable. Like you, you knew they had to come back into the squad. Um, obviously, George Bell is still there in uh, cover. Ethan DeGroote. Uh, drops out and goes back to the Stags, and, and I don't think it's a reflection on performance. But you know, Joe Moody's probably probably the best lucid in the world, um, if not you know equal mm. best lucid in the world. And and offer um, I think has been one of the form tightheads, so he comes back into the mix and it gives him that I suppose better balance in the squad because he can play both sides. Um, yeah. The key change, Finlay Christie out. Yeah. TJ Pedernata back in straight out of club rugby into the All Blacks. Obvious choice, the only choice. Well, I think there's always a plan to bring TJ, to bring TJ back in. Um, I think um, he was in with the trouble with training with him last week down in, um, in some pitches with him in Dunedin. Um, but then I think for Finn as well, he's actually, he's actually played really, really well. So um, you could say somewhat say he's a little bit unlucky due to his form. Um, but again, it just adds great depth. And obviously TJ's going to come back in and try fighting it out to be uh, to back where he was. But you know, you've brought in a guy um, that was young and probably played really, really well the last two test matches. So he's had that taste. Gets to go back to Tasman and really um, hone his craft to be able to go back into that environment and then play some good footy. And then again, if there are injuries, there always are injuries sometimes. So um, then Finn's obviously ready to come back in when given his opportunity if there are injuries that come through. The stocks are looking good though. You've also got Falau. Yep. There's, I mean, there's some really good stocks there at halfback and Bryn Hall. <laughs> well, I think you. But like, that's probably the greatest thing about it. You know, you probably have three guys there that are probably a little bit older, uh, but then you've got guys like Finn Falau who obviously was injured and probably would have been in that squad. Um, it just adds depth to that. And, uh, it's dad stepped into that um, that position, and so, like I said, Finn played really, really well um, in the two test matches that he was given, and then um, he's going to go back into that Tasman environment, which he's had a lot of success in. And then, if there are injuries, um, he's proven that he's played a couple of test matches, and he won't um, be foreign to him. That kind of experience you can't turn down, TJ Pedernada. No, you can't, and I think we touched on it. Uh, you know, if you look at the way, I suppose, the French Aussie um, series with a lot of inexperience, the beauty of bringing in you know a, a, a seventy tester to come into the environment mm. and, and drive and, and live the standards that you know that TJ lives by and, and his competitive standards, you, you're never going to leave that out of the squad. Yeah. But what Finn has done is when he's been given his opportunity, he's made every post to win it. And there's one thing being selected for the All Blacks, but then doing exactly what he's done because if someone does fall over, which is likely um, these days, he's he's an automatic selection now, like mm. straight back in there, that, that's, that's mm. the pecking order probably because of his performance and the way he's, he's behaved in camp. So uh, it's a win-win for both, and, and it's definitely a win-win for Fozzie and his crew because it's created some real depth. And as you've mentioned about other guys that haven't even been into the camp or in and around it, that you know, if, if a number of them fall over, they've got a real secure net. And what is a key position? Mm -hmm. you know, when you, you, you think about hooker, nines, tens, fifteens, you know, she's she's bit of a log jam in all yeah. those positions and they're probably the real key positions even if uh, if you look at eight now and those Lucy's that eight 
it's probably, you know, if you look at a spine of a rugby team, they're real key positions, mm. and, we're, and we're getting a real log jam in all those positions now. You need points of difference in there as well, though, don't you? Because TJ brings a slightly different style to Brad and Aaron and Finlay, mm. in the same way that Armour is in the squad, because he brings yeah. a point of difference. Well, if you think about it, um, TJ's done great coming off the bench because he adds it something different. So, obviously, Nuggy and even Brad, to a certain extent, are great at being able to get the ball with quick tempo and being able to play at speed. CJ can do that, but he just brings another um, aspect with his defensive work around how physical he is around the breakdown. Um, he's his competitiveness that Chip has talked about, and so he's also a leader in that squad as well. So leadership's qualities that you know if Aaron does go off, that's another guy that you can bring in with leadership qualities and being able to have a good experience. So um, that's great for the All Blacks to come through. But then again, like Chip said, you've still got the depth with the fin, and then obviously Falau is floating around probably next year when he does come back or when he does play for the All Blacks possibly. It has been a little bit awkward his return. Um, Ian Foster came out in public saying he's a bit d disappointed the way that TJ when he left his last contract and started negotiating for this contract was also talking to the NRL and, and Foster didn't like the way that that happened in public. Jipper, how should these things play out? You know, there are leaks, clubs release information, TJ wasn't the one who went out there and said it. Yeah, look, I don't necessarily have an opinion of how, you know, a blueprint of how it should play out, um, but on this... Uh, situation alone you know with the way I suppose Sonny's the first player to do it you know cross codes and, and, and switching and, and the intrigue you know I know there's a lot of intrigue of, of rugby players going to the mm. NRL there's so, mu so much interest you know I, I'm a big fan of it now, probably could never have made the transition <laughs> um, as well as TJ could have but there's a genuine um, interest to do that and, and test the water and I spoke to TJ when he came back um, from Japan, and as I've mentioned, being a big NRL fan, I was like, you know, um, what were you doing? Who were you talking to? And, and mate, it was genuine. He was genuinely looking for it, and he's looking at it, and he certainly wasn't, um, I believe, using it as a as a, 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 a ploy mm. um, from from my discussions with him. And, and and you know, that's that's just my opinion. I'm not saying Fozzie's wrong in what he said, but. My experience with TJ was was pretty um, keen and genuine, especially with the way he was talking. He'd changed up his training already, around having to get a little bit, um, you know, that faster. And he did it at the end of um, a lot of his sessions, um, so that he'd do his rugby training with his Japanese side, and then tap on a bit of league-specific training, so that if it did come through, he was ready to mm. you know jump straight into it. That dream's still out so there. You, for them you, if you, you don't, to but just sorry, but you yeah. just don't do that. You don't just tap on league no, training because yeah. it is it is a different fitness and it's it's quite intense um, you know it's not not as I suppose many um, you know collisions as such in terms of breakdowns and but the, you know if he was going to play that dummy half it would be a lot of tackles and mm. going back 10 or playing in that dummy half role you don't tap that on mm. if mm. you're not serious you're not mm. doing that for fun no, that's what I'm probably yeah. saying I was just going to say if you're going to go in that kind of Direction, you're not going to go after a big training. You know, it's, it's trainings, it's, the trainings are quite long, and you're not going to tax it on the back end of your trainings to be able to try um, adapt your trainings to play rugby league. So, yeah, I think TJ's pretty genuine around it, and so with the things that Jip just said, I think yeah, it wasn't a, a ploy um, to you know to try and take his claim for both sides. I suppose the NRL hasn't been a threat for a long time. You know, if you go back 15, 20 years, rugby league was a major threat to rugby, but. Rugby's been more of a threat to New Zealand rugby than, than rugby league recently, so maybe it's Fozzie just being like, hey, let's calm all of this down and get rid of this rugby league threat. <laughs> yeah, and I don't think it'll be an issue for either of those yeah. two. Like they, yeah. They're grown men, they'll, 
they've just got a difference of opinion and they'll move forward. Like at the, at the end of the day, I don't, I don't see it as a big issue. Yeah, yeah. Maybe it shouldn't be played out in public either, though. There's a <laughs> well, certain irony ideally, in that. I think ideally, both yeah. parties probably didn't want it coming out, so it just yeah. came out, and then people like us get to talk about it. Yeah, hundred percent. But we're going to see him play for the All Blacks in a few weeks' time, which is really, really nice. But. When they get there, where have you seen the biggest improvements over the last three weeks for the All Blacks um, after their 60-13 win over Fiji? Oh, I suppose for me, I, I, I've really liked um, using the other night as an example of some of the, um, I suppose, set-piece mm. strikes um, or, or specials. You know, we saw off the line-out, um, you know, coming around the back, um, you know, I think it was even mentioned Samasoni was supposed to give an inside ball to Sever Reese, but he just went straight up the guts, um, and which was great because he barged through about three or four people. But if you look at um, Sever Reese's first try, the work that Artie does when he he pops out and his ability to carry and his post-contact um, leg drive and you know ability to bust tackles holds the hooker at the back of that line out, mm. which actually creates the hole for, for Davy mm. to step into because there's a good separation between the hooker who's supposed to get out at the back of the line and connect with that defence line. He doesn't because he's more worried about Artie and it creates that hole and then Davy steps into that hole and obviously gives a good offload. But And, and then we also look at the blindside scrum moves. Yeah. Uh, so I think for their set plays off scrums, they're looking to you know spice things up, and it might be a bit of Brad Moore influence. Mm. I think there's a little bit of Crusader um, flair to it when he was coaching you guys. So I think there's, and and we sort of touched on it, like maybe not so much phase play, but these are the things yep. that we'll start seeing that that'll be changing, and also their mindset of up tempo. I still believe there's a keenness to throw quick throws yeah. and, and try and catch teams off guard and really back themselves as the fitter team mm. to run over the top. Go back to that mindset. You know, remember when we were in that period of, you know, you know, we had a lot of experience and, and, and a lot of, I suppose, legends of the game that have now left. But we were running over teams in that last 20 and it became about the squad of 23 and mm. the bench. I think it was, in, you know, building into that 2015 World Cup. I think there's a belief that we can get back to that and we can run over the top of teams if we can keep this up-tempo ball in play and back ourselves to mm. be be the, the, the fitter beast. And, mm. and that's what I think are the two shifts that I'm, I'm noticing yeah. anyway. Yeah. I definitely reckon the set piece, um, especially around our line-out, you know, Jips alluded to, you got the transition with Davies' first try, you've got around the front, and then there's also the driving more that Tokiaho scored as well. So I think the variety around our line-out is going to be great, especially going to the rugby championship. It's really important for our set piece to have parity, and I think our line-out, and also winning a lot of high percentage around our line-out is going to be really important. And then mm. we talked about it before last week, around the breakdown. Um, we had a lot of turnovers at breakdown. They only had two, two sorry, they had three on the weekend. So obviously we want to play to high tempo and I think um, we might we'll probably see a little bit that, a little bit more better coming in the coming weeks but um, the breakdown was massive around turnovers with the likes of Dye and obviously 12 last Potter there um, captain last year who didn't play but that kind of area um, is going to be massive moving forward when we do play the more physical um, you know, especially the South Africans and the Argentinians last year you know we lost that physicality battle so I, I, I probably see it'll be a continued more improvement around that and being able to get that lightning quick ball which the All Blacks are the best in the world when they'll be able to play at a high tempo speed. Mm. You mentioned there like um, the more mm. and, and I think the boys numbers one to five need a bit of a, a bit of credit here because the guys that score the tries normally get the shout out but if if that scrum or more isn't going yep. forward and holding players in but because if you use the scrum as an example because it was so dominant and moving forward the Lucy's have to stay on 
halfback can't get off early, which creates the space both times down the blind for the mm. tries, yep. for, for Sevu's try and then Rico's one where he scores as well. And, it, and it's the same for the Maul, is if the Maul's not successful in scoring tries, then Tokiaho's second try mm -hmm. doesn't become a reality because mm -hmm. they're not worried about having to put their heads in there to stop them all. Mm -hmm. So being able to do your core role is key to being able to develop yeah. your, your attacking plays. So mm -hmm. numbers one to five are doing you know the nucleus, I suppose, of the mm -hmm. work to allow this evolution of this, uh, this attacking off the back yeah. of set piece. So with our numbers one to five, do you think that we're going to end up with especially four and five, the old combo of Whitelock and Retallick first up? I mean, there's so many classy options there at lock. Well, I think you can go for both. You've obviously got Scott Barrett and Sam Whitelock who, um, who work together as well, so that's an advantage that you do have with that kind of Crusaders combo. But again, I think you know, Brody Retallick, you know, before he left Japan, was the best lock in the world and arguably the best player in the world. So the more time that he's going to be able to get himself from great back into the environment, playing test footy at that kind of level, you know, he's definitely a guy that you've got to have in a conversation to work with Sam. Sam's probably going to be the incumbent knowing that he's captain with no Sam Kane there. So being able to work around with Scott um, and Brody, and obviously there's obviously Paddy as well who had something different towards those guys, and Tupo Vai, who had a great season last year. So, um, But I think if you are going to go with the performance on the weekend, you've obviously got, you can go with the tandem with Scott and Sam, because they work together uh, consistently at, um, at super level and have played a lot of rugby at, um, at international level. But Brody Retallick, he's a, he's a great player and has been um, you know, best player in the world. So when he gets transitioned more, maybe playing more rugby, I think he's got to be in the conversation as well. I don't think you can go wrong with any... Hmm match up to be honest and that's not a cop out of, this, of making a call but that's that's a reality but Brody Retallick looks you know he's he's just doesn't need many games yeah. to come back to his own I thought he looked another 20 to 25 percent better after you know Dunedin to, to Hamilton mm. like he was impressive off the bench and, and he started looking like the 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 Brody that we, we're accustomed to mm. of just destroying rucks, destroying guys yeah. in the tackle, yeah. big carries, and, and he's only going to get better mm. um, the, the, the more opportunities he gets. Whether he gets into the start straight away in, in, in the Blitzer, I'm not too sure. Um, you know, and, and we can't forget the growth that Paddy has made mm. and, and the work that you know Scott Barrett has, has done over the years. So I, I think it could be potentially rotated because I, I think all players warrant opportunities to be, to be fair mm. and we haven't even seen Tupo Vai at, uh, mm. at the moment and yeah. uh, he was great for the Chiefs and, and he adds I suppose he is quite different to all the other four that we've spoken about mm. um, he's 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 more in a lock six mould mm. a genuine lock six mould so could potentially fit that bench role um, especially against the Wallabies I think quite quite nicely so uh, again we spoke about depth and key positions um, in that spine it's another position where we're fortunate now Brody's back that it, it, it's really stacking up quite nicely but I agree I think Whitelock will be set in stone it's, it's the rest of fighting out for one, <laughs> yeah. one position. Mm. You mentioned Artie's importance before when you look at this loose forward mix now um, especially when you're talking about dominance of the collision etc have we figured out what this loose forward mix looks like starting in the biggest test matches this year? I think well if you look at the performance on the weekend when the, you probably talk around physicality and losing the breakdown in the previous test match, that was probably a massive thing coming into this test match that we wanted to see. And you know, Luke Jacobson, he's been great coming back in. Like he, I thought he was outstanding on the weekend with his physicality. And then even as if you look at that try with, um, uh, with, um, with Will Jordan, 
his manipulation and his animation around that probably set up that try. So his be able to do efforts off the ball and something that you know you'd, people don't, probably don't see at home. But for that try, he ends up running a, a nice hard line into that space, draws in two Fijian uh, defenders, goes out the back out to Richie, and Will hits that line. So. You know, he brings in that kind of um, domain as well. And then, obviously, his tools run his physicality, his turnover, turnover ball was great as well. But then, you know, you've got Hoskins, who offers something completely different as well. We talk around off the back of the scrum. Yes, Luke does really well at that, but Hoskins probably the best in the world at that kind of being able to play off the back of the scrum and being able to mani manipulate and hurt you through that way. Um, but then you've got, obviously, Blackhatter, Frizzell, who came and played well off the bench. So, um, so, so just the answer is no, we don't know. <laughs> I just think that's just, with whatever way you do go, you're not going to be thinking, oh, that's a tough decision. You're going to be like, oh, I can see their thinking behind that because there's people that are specific in their own position that offer something different to the other person. So it just depends what the kind of way they do want to go. But you know, we're fortunate enough to have a, a blessing of so many good loose forwards in the, in the, in the country at the moment. I think we sort of touched on it before around the nines and, and potentially they've got different strengths. Mm. And... You know, different opposition may pose up a, a different trio if, if that makes sense. And I think if you look at the weekend of, of Akira, um Jacobson, and, and Artie, you know, that was a physical mm. dominant loose forward trio. And yeah. if you think about playing South Africa yeah. and Argy, that's probably, you know, and I don't think you can count Dalton out, but I think, again, we go back to the experience and the, the crucial nature of that. Um, in, in big test matches and, and, and Dalton will get his time and, and get that experience but like I was mentioning before because Artie's got so many runs on the board in, te in terms of test matches people know what he can do and, and Dalton's still a little bit of the unknown so um, which is a, a good and a bad thing because it, he can catch teams off guard but because people know what Artie can do defenders have to wait on him which creates space for others, and Artie's quite a selfless player that he does have the ability to put others away. Mm. Um, and I think that's quite a um, key thing when test matches are only going to get tighter. They're not going to be these big, big score lines. You know, we saw the South Africa A beat the Lions the other day, which was pretty much close to a South African squad. You know, when the South Africans come down here, the Wallabies, we've seen them, you know, with grit and determinations, and, and Argy yeah. putting one over Wales at, at home. This, this rugby championship will be a hard-fought contest, so I mm. think there, there'll be trios they see that suit um, different opposition. And when it's a fast running, you know, you could see a Blackhead or a Dalton in at seven and, and a Hoskins because he's quick off the boot, you know, it yeah. could suit playing an Aussie, yeah. um, an Aussie team a little bit better. And, you know, um, you know I, I think Aki's probably the closest to maybe securing a six jersey at the moment, but I don't think Shannon's been given enough opportunity mm. since coming back from his injury at this stage to, to rule that out. And I probably think with the kind of rugby that is going to be played, being able to have that, that depth is going to be really, really important. I know Super Rugby's a little bit different, but there's always been injuries around that loose forward trio. So being able to have the depth that we've talked about, we, know, we find it hard to be able to pick a loose forward trio because there's so many great players in, in New Zealand at the moment. So with probably how the conversation's going to go, with, with obviously South Africa coming in, who are physical men, they're going to be coming off a British and Irish Lions series, which is going to be great for them, preparation for the rugby championship. Rugby championship. So um, being able to have that depth is going to be massive for us, probably at the back end of the competition with how the competition's going to go. Mm. What about out wide? Rico came off the bench, <coughs> good out wide. Um, is that his spot in this team, or is he in this midfield? Jipper? Oh, Brennan? <laughs> <laughs> I was just waiting for you to answer that. No, I think, look, I think, um, you know, Rico's, the one thing that Rico does have that probably uh, Barb Braden that he has is, is his speed. 
and you know you can't substitute speed. You give a guy an opportunity on the outside or an open field. Rico's probably the best in the country to be able to to do that. And so you get that on the wing because all, all the difference between winger winger and, and centre is obviously different. It's a bit a little bit uh, more ball playing and being more selfless as a centre. Whereas if you're playing a winger, you've got the opportunity to get the ball in hand, try score, or try beat your defender um, one on one. So. I think Rico will get him, I think he should be given more opportunities at 30 because I think his his performances at, at Super Rugby and even at the, the times he has played the test matches at the, um, at the start, he's actually played well and so the more time that he, he is able to play centre, I think that's going to be the biggest thing for Rico moving forward. But then you know he also has the ability coming off the bench, he can cover that 13 and winger role. So um, he's got the ability to be able to start and play centre. Or if he has got that bench or he can play cover two positions, which we've talked about a lot um, in these kind of 23 modes. Like there's a big fence <laughs> right here and you're straddling it. <laughs> everyone, you well, I'll get, off, I'll get off it. <laughs> yeah. Um, everyone knows I love Rex. Like I, I think he's a great player. And, and I think we just need to credit the growth he, he showed at 13 for the Blues this year in terms of his dis- distribution and, and setting up others, but mm-hmm. more importantly defensively and his reads and, and his connections. But... At that, at that level, he, he had a great combination with TJ Fiani, who's, who's his mate and, and guys that he knows. I think he's made a huge step up at 13 in the All Blacks, and, and I think the, the coach, Ian Foster, has even acknowledged that. Um, his distribution, and we've, we, we credited him in that, that Tonga game. Mm. You know, he, he really set guys alight, and he's always looking to create opportunities for others now, which, which is key to that 13 role. Defensively, with his speed, he can really get up. You know, we spoke about um, Henshaw in the Lions um, game getting up and, you know, forcing. You know, if a ten sees a, a thirteen get up, he he normally tucks and go, or he he gives a short ball to a forward. And, and Rico's pace to really get up and show face there um, can force teams back in. Um, it's that sort of fool's gold mentality, and he's starting to really grow in that defensive read area. Like it is, a, it's probably the hardest position. Mm. Yeah. that midfield area defensively because you, you're all on your own because your wing is a little bit detached and, and, and I think that's his area that he, he's getting better and better in at test match level and, and I think he was he was showing it again in, in Dunedin and I just think he re- reminded us on the weekend it, he certainly reminded me because we haven't seen him play wing for so long he's world class <laughs> at wing yeah. like it's unbelievable how good he looked on the wing. Like I'm, I'm not going to hide away from the fact that he looked amazing at wing, and, and to the point that you could even see him starting in the rugby championship at wing. Yeah, you, know, you know, like it, it was, it was unbe- Like he just looked, he just glides. Yeah. And, and when he gets on the outside and he gets in space, it's just, yeah. it is great to watch. Yep. Like I, I know he wants to play 13, and and I, and I've just stress that I think he's great at 13 but he, he seriously looks great at wing and if if there's a form selection and say it's Anton's on fire and Rico's on fire Got well get them both out there yeah. mm. is, is what I'm saying mm. but if they're not on fire at least you know that what you know Reeks can be on the field and and you know again we're talking about depth and and I don't think we probably had that last year and form going into this rugby championship. I know we came away with the trophies, but I think they'll admit themselves it wasn't the year that, but with COVID, it was distracted. And Plumtree said this year feels different because they've come in, come in and they've had preparation. Mm. So I think it's they just seem a lot more um, slick. And, and these conversations we're having, imagine what the selectors are having because they're having to actually make decisions, not sit on the fence like yeah. my old mate here. <laughs> um, but yeah, look, 
I, I think he can play both. Does it force him into a 23 role? Well, I think that 23 roles between him and Anton, because with him and Anton there, you know you've got that back three midfield cover, so that, that 23 role um, um, suits that. Speaking of wingers, on the weekend, the Wallabies win 33-30, but they lose a man really, really early, Marika Korembeti. Yeah. Was that a red card for that tackle? I, no, I definitely don't think it was. I think um, we do talk around players being able to look after players, but I just think in, in that fact, with how 50-50 it was, I think it was warranted possibly of a yellow at worst, but I, yeah, I personally think they just got that wrong. And so, yeah, But from there, I think the ability, if you take around that, um, the 75 minutes Australia play with, with a red card, you know, it's, it's a, shows a lot of resilience. And Dave Rennie talked about it in this post-match interview around, you know, Ideally, it wasn't the, the the result that they wanted with that red card, but they'd be able to, to be able to adapt and have a young squad out there. They've got a lot of young guys that haven't played a lot of Test match footy in that kind of environment with the dead rub with the with the series on the line to be able to get their result. Um, I thought it was massive for them. I thought their their forwards really, and it's probably actually symbolised their um, their work in probably the whole series. Their set piece was massive, especially their scrum penalties like Tanelia Tupo in that second half was massive again, around bringing in scrum penalties and being able to assert dominance that way and their line out as well with the mall and be able to get a high percentage of their players winning line-out balls. I thought their forwards really um, did really well in that game, and I thought Tate McDermott as well, uh, his ability to be able to, they close up their game a little bit more with being able to have Rovers and be able to have players off him, getting him with his running game and his strength, mm. be able to bring in their forwards. So, um, but to come back to you, I thought the red card, um, it probably wasn't warranted a red card, and fortunately for the Australians, they got the result of showing a lot of resilience, being able to their forwards really dominating that, that, in, that um, encounter. It brings us back to the 20 minute. Yeah, red card situation. Should be. You know, cause, it didn't ruin the game. It, it actually kind of made it a game. It didn't, it didn't <clears> ruin <throat> the game, but it, it potentially could have. Yeah. Like, um, if, if he had been red carded and he'd been off for 20 minutes and then um, been able to be replaced, I think it, it eliminates. Because I can see the trouble for, for the refs as well. You know, it is, it was close to the head. I think it maybe hit the neck. I, I couldn't. But there was enough mitigating factors for me because of the drop of the height. Because yeah. he knew he caught the ball, and you know, you know as a player you can sense when you're about to get hit. So he dropped his height just enough for me to warrant that was the mitigating circumstance. So worst case scenario, yellow card. Yeah. I would have been satisfied even if it was just a penalty. Yeah. Um, but a red, I was quite you know, I was like, well, that's that's going to hurt. Um, and in the end they won the game but it, it definitely leaves them yeah. but sometimes that galvanises your team and, and it did bring the best out of their forwards I agree with that but mm. I, I don't think it was a re it hasn't been uphold, uh, upheld by the World Rugby either yeah. so they don't see it as a red card so I think that's you know, good for everyone to know and calm down that yeah. we're not going to be seeing red cards and I, I, I don't think we like seeing the reaction of grabbing the face and, yeah. mm. and, and overdoing that um, you know, we don't want to get to the stage that um, we're trying to bring attention to these things for refs to be put into a tight situation. Yeah. Um, let it happen organically and, and trust that uh, the refs will, will get it done. It was almost laughable. It was like watching the Euros, yeah. the way that he went up here when actually it was down here. But Dave like, Rennie wasn't happy. Yeah, was that's going to ruin our game if we let that happen. He yeah. said there was, I think, Paisami got one and maybe Tate got yeah, one. Tate got a he, better try. He could have he could have lay on the ground and, and you know roll around as well and, and he goes that's not in the spirit mm -hmm. of the game mm -hmm. um, and I, I think you know 
Dave Rennie always has such a good barometer for things like this. Yeah. I, I think you know he, he's got real good core values, and um, you know when he he sort of questions if things are in the spirit of the game. For me personally, um, you know you sort of sit up and listen. Mm. Do we need to get that written into the laws? A penalty, a yellow card for not being in the spirit of the game. I mean, trying to milk a red card is a huge effect on a game. That's a professional foul in I, a lot I, of ways. I think you're then again putting another too much, too much yeah. pressure on a ref to make a decision because, you know, it's you just it's going to put in too much grey area. No, no, no. We'll be too, we'll, we'll we'll need four hours for so the show. So how do we deal with happens. that? How do we deal with it? I, I just I don't. Think I, I think it'll 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 be public pressure, um, yeah. uh, teammate pressure. It, it's not a good look. It, it's not what we're about. Don't don't do it. It, 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 it won't it won't hold up. <laughs> and he wasn't getting an Oscar, eh? No. Oh well. Yeah, <laughs> call him the milkman. The milkman. <laughs> so yeah. 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 His bottles are empty. There was nothing coming. <laughs> yeah. The one thing I will say about the Wallabies is, and, and it's not to be too critical, um, but in this series they've had a lot of ball, a lot of possession, and, and they've built a lot of phases. And I'm just wondering if their balance of attack or their attack is penetrating enough. Like, they haven't had a lot of line breaks, they haven't had a lot of defenders beaten. Yes, they're holding onto the ball and they're not getting turned over, but it's all this possession isn't turning into a lot of points. You know, it was an intercept by Noah Lolosio and, and a great line by Hooper, who, who just was man of the series for me. Mm. Um, you know, I, I can't even, you know, rattle off how many, you know, big plays he pulled off in terms of support lines for tries and, uh, sprinting back to make covering tackles, he's just a freak. Um, but I'm just not sure if their attack's quite humming and an ability, or are they chancing their arm enough um, to break defences yeah. down or, or, or put them under enough pressure um, to make them have to think and make decisions? Yeah. Um, and, and I think that comes on the back of their smarter kicking game. Um, I don't know if you agree with me, but they clearly had a, a chat around not kicking enough from the week before. But then when they got on the 22 early, they were just putting grubbers in behind when yeah. there was backfield cover. Yeah. And I'm like, you've got to read the pictures that are in front of you before. You don't just kick aimlessly. So I just don't know if they're a slick operation in their attack yet. They've definitely got the grit. They've got the determination and, and, and the willingness. I'm not questioning that. It's just that, that crispness and that, that ability to... Um, break defences down to create opportunities and yeah. then pick the right opportunity. So am I hearing that they're not quite ready to beat the All Blacks well, in a couple of weeks' time? I think the good thing that they have had, they've had three tough test matches. Whereas I know obviously the Fijian test, the second test in Dunedin was a real good uh, spectacle and a real good contest. I think they're fortunate enough that they're probably the last exactly three, like, three test matches that they have. It's been down to the wire and it's actually been pressure situations. We're just going to set them really well for that rugby championship. And I just wanted to credit France. You know, they, they brought in a, a younger squad with a lot of inexperience and they come here um, and they probably walk away from this tour thinking that like, man, we've done you know pretty well. I think, you know, the fact that they did have a red card, they probably had the advantage and possibly should have won that test match based on the, the advantage that they did have. And look, they'll take that learning away with how well that with the learnings that they can take from that, saying, so, you know, we could have done this better, we could have manipulated that way better with, the, with them having it off, like they did when Kuyu took that um, down that short side. Mm -hmm. know, that was probably the trial there for Barassi. It was an unbelievable try, but that was probably the only time I thought they really um, showed that advantage that they'd had with, with no winger, with being able to have um, Kirabiti off, and they showed that through that try. 
But um, look, I think the guys that have had that experience in that kind of test match arena, it's only going to set them well. We've talked around 2023 being a massive being a massive year for them when we do come to France. But given those guys that kind of experience in that test match um, with the guys that didn't come over through France, it's only going to set them well up moving forward. Long term worries for, for the Wallabies. For to answer your question around are they ready to beat the All Blacks, I think that big game pressure and mm. having to win two tight ones. Yeah. Is, is massive yep. and I think it sets them up perfectly for the playing the All Blacks the Springboks and Argentina yep. Don't we don't need to just get fixated on the All Blacks like there's three you know tough opposition coming down in this four four team series are they ready I, I, I'm not I, as I said I didn't want to be too critical but that rush defence of the French really seemed to you know put them in a position where they couldn't exploit it and maybe a cross field kick or something like that and then um, the, the one thing I wanted to mention before we move off this game is a little bit of a, a, a gag, but Teddy Tomar, is he the goldie of our generation? Because he <laughs> is a chip-and-chase specialist. Oh, like, he's yeah. been doing it in the Six Nations, and then he set up that try beautifully, and it was just, I, I just I just love seeing a good old-fashioned chip-and-chase. Oh. <laughs> it was yeah, a hell of a try. A classically French sweeping length oh, of the yeah, field try. Absolutely. Uh, a was. good moment to end this particular episode of Aotearoa Rugby Pod on. Good to have you back in the studio. Back, Hall, James Parsons, as always, I'm Russ Carl, and we will catch you next week on the Aotearoa Rugby Pod.